The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Are you talking about, like, uh, an intro type of thing? No, I mean, like, basically I just kind of pose a bunch of, like, random stuff to you, and I try not to swear as best I can. Okay. <laughs> I try to I, – I pose, like, a bunch of random questions to you, and then we just kind of go off into tangents on whatever and wherever it takes us. I'm with it. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, so uh, on the farm today we have uh, Michael – uh, how do, how are we going to pronounce your name? Uh, Ajeto, Ajeto. Uh, uh, how, however you want to. No. Um, Ajeto would be best. Ajeto would be best. All right. So like Geppetto, but uh, Ajeto. Exactly. Okay. Good. I have a dog in the background with that's wanting to play all of a sudden at ten thirty. I don't know what the hell's going on. So um, <clears throat> Michael. Uh, volunteered as tribute to talk about the Seattle Mariners because apparently he likes doing this for a living almost. I mean, like I, you're starting up a new blog or recovering your blog. Like what is right. what's going on here? Um, so I, before pictureless, I wrote about the Mariners. Um, and I don't want to do that any more than I do now, but I would like to talk about them more. And so um, I have rebooted my podcast for the third time. Um, this time, uh, I booted it up. It's called Griffey's Naptime Podcast. Okay. Um, and I'm planning on rebranding it after um, I've talked to Andy Patton. And so uh, I booted it up as Griffey's Naptime Podcast. Um, but it should be called It's Never Sunny in Seattle uh, going forward, and uh, we should be getting a new logo from uh, Zach Ennis and new music from one of my, one of my buddies. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. So Griffey's Naptime podcast, is, does that have anything to do with the fact that there are stories that Ken Griffey Jr. in his time with the White Sox would go into the clubhouse and just take naps during the middle of games? Absolutely, but the, the the specific story that I'm thinking of um, is when with the Mariners he he was not available for a pinch hitting opportunity because he was napping. 
So this is this is a systemic issue. Like this has been a career long problem. I actually didn't know that it was an issue with the White Sox, but uh, apparently, it was. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there are stories where, for sure, he would go into the clubhouse. I mean, this was at the tail end of his career, right? So right, he didn't care anymore. And yeah, just obviously, kind of, yeah, he would go in and take naps. Um, well, sounds about right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bunch of random statements, and you're gonna tell me what all of these things have in con- common, okay? Oh, God, okay. All right. Jeff Kent and Jason Giambi were NL and AL MVP. Randy Johnson and Pedro Martinez were NL and AL Cy Young. Joe Maurer was the first overall pick. Jamie Moyer, at age 38, pitched 210 innings and won 20 games. What do all of those things have in common? Uh, um... Jeff can't. Uh, oh boy, or were they? I have no idea. Um, it was the it was the last time that the Seattle Mariners made the. Playoffs. Oh, good God. <laughs> okay, but for the record, uh, no, 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 we, no, no, no. There is no for the record. <laughs> no, no, no. We were the best um, single season team, tied. Tied with the best uh-huh. uh, of all time. What so, uh, that team? did they go on to win the World Series? Okay, you know what? After nine eleven, we had to take some time off, and uh-huh. I, I think, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I just, don't know, man. I'm just asking some questions. It's just, it's just some questions and just some facts. <laughs> I'm not. This, this is a fact, yeah. yeah okay, so, um, so we're going to talk about uh, the Seattle Mariner um, hitter analysis. Um, and then also, oh my God, I, I like, I literally run a farm now, by the way. Uh, I have whoa, 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 I, whoa, whoa. like a real life farm. I feel like it, man. I have like a dog. My kids con me into adopting two cats. Like I just, they're all loud and I'm enjoying not having kids and, and pets right now. Uh, a lot. you know, yeah, it sounds like it. If you ever want to borrow one of them, like animal or child, you just let me know. Uh, how old's a kid? Uh, I have a six, four and two year old. So literally uh, you can run the game wow. on that. that. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I, I'll play uncle Mike, like, okay. uh, you know, little by little I'm down. And then I have you just two, gotta... two tiny kittens and, and an old, older dog. So I, like I said, I run the gamut, anything you want, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll pass on the dog, but any of the other, um, uh, five yeah. just, uh, ship them up to Seattle. Noted. Noted. Okay, so, cool. <laughs> so outside of that, let's talk about uh, something a little more fun, I guess. I don't know. Uh, the, the Seattle Mariners. Um, you yeah, wrote up cool. the hitter analysis, right? I did. And, and so I'm so glad to have you on to talk about this because there are <clears throat> some, some players that we could talk about. There are um, some players, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I, I wrote in the notes, verbal mean. Uh, you're, you are the guy and you're walking with your girlfriend, your girlfriend's Dan Vogelbach and you're turning around and you're staring at Williams Astudio. Okay. Okay. So, so what is the true value of, of Dan? The reason that I wrote this up is because I feel like in, in 2018, everybody's favorite clown was Dan Vogelbach. And, and then in 2019 it was Williams Astudio. So like, oh, they're big and they're chunky and like, look at this. It's fun. And like, it is silly. Yeah. Um, at least, I don't know. At least Astudia is like kind of fun to like watch field and, uh, and run the bases. But, um, 
I really liked uh, Vogelback coming into the season. Um, he's just like he's probably deserved a chance for about three years now. Like he had nothing to prove uh, in AAA ever since he was with the Cubs. Like even after he got traded from the Cubs, we could have just played him at first base. But we had like I don't know Adam Lind or something. Um, I like him to an extent. He's just super limited. He can only hit, and that is questionable. He can't run at all. He can't field at all. Um, so I actually wrote an article about him in May where uh, I think it was called like Going Deep, uh, Dan Vogelback, uh, Destroyer of Fastballs, because he destroys fastballs. Um, the issue is that he's pretty bad-ish against breaking pitches and off-speed pitches, which make up a pretty good percentage of pitches. And... Pitchers figured this out because they increasingly um, threw him uh, non-fastballs, basically, uh, every month. And so he's got a lot of limitations. Um, one good thing is that he's got like unrivaled plate discipline, you could say. Uh, but kind of the Kevin Biggio thing is that perhaps he's too passive. Um, he has the lowest swing percentage of all qualified hitters. Um, some people can do it. Like Trout is only like a couple percentage points up, uh, but Vogelback's not Trout. So, um, you know, he's he's a pretty good hitter. He can hit fastballs. Um, he ranks pretty decent in barrels, like 66th um, percentile. So I think he needs to be more aggressive, especially on first pitch, because that's when he's going to see a fastball. Um, you know, he walks enough. Like he, I think his walk percentage is in the mid tens. So, uh, I don't love him. Is he new age Adam Dunn? Um, like three true outcome, like he doesn't, he doesn't strike out enough. Um, and he might not hit home runs enough going forward too. So, Oh God. Yeah. Like a worse Adam Dunn. (laughs) Just, yeah. It's not great. Um, that, yeah, that's basically Dan Vogelbach. Well, I mean, all right. So, so let's think about this. If he is only, um, you know, a DH, right? He's he's DH only. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna give you an over under for this season, and then I'm gonna give you an over under for three seasons. Okay. Over right, under uh, for this season, um, 460 plate appearances. Uh, I will say over. Okay. Um, over under the next three seasons. 68 home runs. I, oh boy. I'll say under. Wow. He's going to hit under 22 and a half home runs a year. I think the issue is going to become playing time. Um, like at, at some point it's like, okay, Dan, like we have a 26 man roster and you're our left-handed hitting platoon DH. Um, and you can't <laughs> like, it's just so hard. <laughs> he can only I hit feel like you're almost and it's only against right-handers. Like you're almost, I am apologetic. Like you want people to like him. You like him. But at the same time, you're like, I, I, I don't know what to do with this guy. Like, 
I want I want him to do well, but uh, <laughs> there's just like so much to overcome here. It, uh, he like he got traded for Mike Montgomery. Like that's kind of what that that's like the pitching equivalent of him, I guess, because yeah. value wise, that's what he got traded for. So like not not great. Yeah. All right. So so we're not we're not super high on Dan Vogelbach, but we like him. We he's got we, a great personality. Yeah, he's uh yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. Um Kyle Seeger, Corey's brother, Kyle Seeger. Corey's brother, yeah. Corey's brother. Um in what year does Seattle have the promotion of uh put Corey uh put Cor- put Kyle out to pasture day where they just kind of bring him out to center field and they put him down <laughs> and they just kind of bury him out there? What year is uh, we we like we like Kyle. We like uh, no, uh, no, Seeger. Like also, you're gonna kind of do it with like a tear in your eye, but you're gonna put him down eventually, right? Like he's gonna retire a Mariner. Basically, honestly, I I kind of see him being traded this offseason um, or at the deadline. I'm not. The issue with Seeger is that when he gets traded, it um, I forgot what the terminology is, but basically it adds. Um, a uh, an option, a player option to his contract. So like he after becomes vested, yeah, yeah, he vests his option. So after twenty twenty one, he's not a Mariner anymore, unless we uh, <laughs> unless we uh, take that option, which we're not going to. But I would say it's either like now. Or after 2021, because I, I I still like him. I should be clear. Uh, I actually think that the breakout is legit. If you want me to get into that, Wait, or like the his he's resurgence, he's 32. His resurgence, you I'll mean, call it. You mean the dead cap ounce? Is that what you're talking about? He okay. So basically, I'm gonna get into it. Okay. Uh, I wrote on, two articles about on. him in in 2019, and one was before the season. And it was basically me saying, like, hey, um, he was working a lot on, like, trying to go the other way. He's pretty known for, like, tinkering with his swing and everything. And I was just like, Kyle, (laughs) lean into it. You, the reason why, because increasingly teams are shifting him more, and increasingly he's doing worse. Um, And I think that has to do with a couple singles getting taken away and perhaps a couple doubles. But to me, it has more to do with the fact that he's trying to go the other way. The reason why they're shifting you is because you're a good hitter to your pull side. So keep doing that. I know psychologically it's hard, but and also he he dealt with uh, an avulsion fracture in his toe in 2018, which means that his ten- tendon or ligament literally came off the bone, and he only missed one game. So I think that he's still a good player. Um, it's just kind of like, how good are you still? He's still a decent base runner, especially now that he shed some weight. Um, he's still a good fielder. And I think that he can be like a slightly above average hitter, which is kind of who he's always been just a better hitter. Um, but my second article was, I think in August or probably September, um, early September. And I talked about how he was back sort of, um, I just kind of referenced it, but cue the best shape of his life narratives because yeah, yeah, last yeah, offseason. Bring that up, yeah. Go on. <laughs> he shed tw- okay. He shed twenty pounds, and he was doing a bunch to adjust his preparation. But a lot of it wasn't really to be like, "Hey, I'm sexy and in shape, and I'm going to hit forty dingers." It was more, 
uh, I have been carrying around a lot of bad weight for years, and I just want to basically just be able to move around better more and avoid injury. Was, Ironically, going through like a like a dad bod phase, and then he basically. went into like a midlife crisis. Uh, and uh, yeah, basically, and I think you could actually kind of argue he maybe should have done this all along, but it wasn't as pressing before. Um, but he did it to avoid injury. And then in spring training, he had a bad luck kind of freak injury where he rolled over his glove and, um, he tore some tendons in his knuckles. So, you know, he's been one of the most durable players in the MLB since he came, uh, into the league. But, um, I don't know. I think he kind of has, he has more of an injury prone tag, uh, more than he did before. But in any case, um, if you go on Statcast, um, he from August on he had a 377 uh, woba and a 362 x woba, so you could say like yeah he overperformed a bit. But uh, Baseball Savant doesn't take into account directionality, whereas Alex Chamberlain's Beta Tableau does, um, and he has his weighted on base average on contact at 411, and his expected weighted on base average on contact at 417. So you could argue that he did as well as he should have. Um, so I'm all in on him. Well, not necessarily all in, but no, I'm pretty in. in. Okay, like, I'm all in. We quoted you into saying all in. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I think he's legit. And um, I think uh, he had a couple down years, but I think his, 2000, his late 2019 is pretty legitimate. All right, but he's in his age 32 season. So this is, is true. What does all in mean to you? Like, what does that really mean? Um, in, in like fantasy terms yeah, and give me, some, give me some numbers here. Like what, what are we looking at for Kyle Seeger in 2020? Oh boy. Um, maybe let's go with a, like a two fifty. I'm kind of going just off top two fifty average. 330 or 340 OBP with some good power, like somewhere in the high 400s. Because right. um, he hasn't hit over 330 OBP since 2016. You're, yeah, this is true. So you're, I'm telling you, you are all in. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> hey, hey, live that truth, man. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but Corey Seager is on the block. That's what you're saying. Kyle Seager. Kyle, no, Corey. Oh, yeah, Corey's brother. Corey's brother. Yeah. Uh, yes. He's gonna be nice. Yeah. So, but he's he's available if for trade. That's what you're telling me. Um. Yes, I would. Uh, like, the Braves just got Donaldson, right? No, the Braves have the twin. Uh, the Twins have Donaldson. The Braves. Have oh, you're right. Johan Camargo. Ew, gross. Yeah. Uh, so I was gonna say, I was gonna say before Donaldson got traded to the Braves, but he didn't. Uh, I think Seager is a good fit there. Um, Johan Camargo is like, he's all right, but uh, I think I think Seattle should just pay down some of his contract and and ship him over for like, uh, I don't know, a <laughs> a lottery ticket like. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I I really love Kyle Seager. He's he's, I think he's perpetually one of the most underrated third basemen in the league, and perhaps 
um, just player overall. But yeah, obviously he's on kind of the the downswing of his career, and um, I think like no no pun intended. Yeah, um, and I think he's gonna get better from who he's been since 2017. Um, but I don't necessarily think he's going to like return to who he was in 2014 or 2016. So, yeah. All right. So I'm going to give you another verbal meme. There are three Spider-Men in a room and they're all pointing at one another. Okay. One is Shed Long. One is J.P. Crawford. One is D. Gordon. Okay. Uh, wrong. Um, Sort of. Um, Shed Long, I think, actually has some pop, whereas J.P. Crawford is like more D-ish when it comes to how he impacts the ball. Um, I think, I think Shed Long is kind of another guy that's like a really underrated dude who's like not ever going to sniff elitism, but more so can be like a second division second baseman or maybe left fielder just be solid every year and i like the the sum of jp crawford's skills but he hits for like like i could see him hitting for sub 400 slugging this year um but i do like him and then d gordon it's like you might not ever steal 30 bases again so yeah, they're all because he's off. He's off the steroids. Ah, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> and he's also yes. on the bench. So I think him and Shed are both pretty versatile. So they'll probably both play a lot. But at this point, D Gordon is like a mentor. He should get traded too. Him and him and Seager. Um, for what, what, who's trading for D Gordon? <laughs> Everyone wants a, a sexy like. Gerard Dyson, um, you know, like October stolen bases guy. So, well, Billy Hamilton just got signed for like next to nothing. So, oh, sure. Then we can pay down D Gordon's contract and he can get traded for next to nothing. I'm not saying he's a valuable piece. I'm saying, dude, you're like in your 30s. Like, you should try to get a chip because you're not going to get one with the Mariners. So, so we're we're an ageist now. Anybody over thirty is a problem. I, uh, I see where this is going. Oh no, 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 no! no I'm glad this is, this is contentious podcast has now been elevated. Uh, All right, oh man! So listen here, you young whippersnapper. Uh, All right, let's let's talk about Shed Long just a little bit more. Let's is, do it. Is he actually going to be on a Mariners roster when they make the playoffs again in 2026? Um. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's like shooting pretty far down the line. I would say it's pretty easy for someone to kind of take over, like basically just do better than what his skill set is. But I think there's there is value in being a guy who can move around a little bit and do everything enough. Uh, I would hope the Mariners can do better than Shedrick in 2026, but um, I, I just think he's going to be a, a, like a solid little player. So my gut reaction is, yeah, he's cheap. What kind of league are you rostering Shed Long in? Oh, God. Uh, <clears throat> 
probably just an ale only. Um, I could see him being relevant this year, but I think the odds, because like he steals, he has a couple stolen bases. His sprint speed's not bad. Um, he just hits too many ground balls. So I would say like an ale only league or a dynasty league, but right. Well, um, this is a dynasty podcast, so you have that going for you. Right. Um, so yeah, just like one of those leagues. So, so would you rather have, uh, in a dynasty league, right? Would you rather have 23 year old shed long or would you rather have 30 year old Gene Segura? Uh, I think it's funny. Gene was a Mariner. He's pretty underwhelming, but I would rather have like, if I'm talking like playing, I would rather have Gene, but if we're talking just rostering, uh, maybe Gene again. Yeah. Uh, but it's closer. He's like, he, he is so reliant on BABIP and um, just like getting on base with his batting average that I think his aging is going to be like pretty uh, exponential, like how he deteriorates basically. Yeah. Would you rather have uh, Shed Long or Jonathan Scope? Oh, God. Yeah, I know. Both of them are disgusting. Shedrick. Let's Shedrick. go with Shedrick. Okay. Yep. All right. And then. Um, Clearly, Mauricio Dubon, if we're going to go left coast on things, Mauricio Dubon's out there and Chris Taylor. List list those three guys in preference. Shedrick, uh, <laughs> Mauricio Dubon, or Chris Taylor? Um, I would – man, that's pretty good. I would go – Thank you. Thank you. I, I might get slapped in the face for this. I would say Taylor, Shedrick, and then Dubon. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, do you remember when JP Crawford used to be interesting? Yeah, I remember those days. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I I still think he is, but is he though? Is he? Uh, like really? Do you uh, want to do you want to die on that hill? If you play in an OBP league, sure. Don't you feel like Shed Long's more interesting in an OBP league? Um. I mean, yeah, it, it probably. I don't know. I, I feel you wincing as I'm hearing you talk to me. I am I wincing. feel it. Yeah. Like, uh, there's just a general pain when you talk about the Mariners. That's got to be uh, not this bad. It is bad. bad. for your health. I don't know. Like, Shed didn't – he didn't get on base a ton in the past two years, and he strikes out more. Um, so – I don't know. I, they're just better be- uh, real-life players than they are fantasy players. Yeah, yeah. Malik Smith is Michael Bourne. That's, <clears throat> that's, that's fine. Does that mean that he's going to get a huge contract and then flame out? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, all I was looking at was like his – in comparison to what Malik Smith is and Michael Bourne was, I feel like they're really similar skill set. Like – extremely similar and people loved michael Bourne for like a year yeah. and a half uh yeah i i think you're kind of hitting the nail on the head um I, it's just kind of up for debate if malik smith is a good hitter in 2018 he was a good hitter in 2019 he was not but um he missed most of spring training with a strained right elbow so you know kind of take that for what you will i'm sorry he I'm didn't sorry. He, he was that like his official diagnosis strained or strange right elbow did i strained okay. it was a strain I, I thought you said strange and i was like wait what he had a very peculiar <laughs> peculiar 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 jesus um 
Yeah, so I don't know how much of a role it had. He had about a first half and second half, so you could say it didn't, but maybe it just you know, uh, ruined his flow for the whole year. I don't know. I think he's a, somewhere in between 2018 and 2019, which is something like a 95 WRC Plus guy, yeah. which is fine if you're going to steal 40 bases a year. Is he going to steal 40 bases a year? Uh, he's done it in the past two years. Right, but like, is he going to keep playing? When when you have like Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kalenic, and you have players like Kyle Lewis and Jake Fraley, who we'll talk about um, in a little bit, like is he gonna is he still gonna be around? Is he gonna? It's a good around? question. Um, I mean, he could get moved. I think the most like danger that he's in is getting moved. But in terms of playing, like, um, he's a plus plus center fielder. If you're looking at outs above average, like ninety seventh percentile, I think. So he's going to get a chance. Like, two-thirds of, of his game is plus-plus. Um, he just needs to be, like, a competent hitter. Mm-hmm. And he's he's done that once. Once, yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it looks like the odds are kind of against him. But um, as are, I saw as him... As they are with most of us. True. Uh, I saw him roll over on the ball so many times last year. So so is he going to correct... Is that, that's correctable. Uh, theor- theoretically, but it wasn't for Dustin Ackley. Yeah. Yeah. He used to be something, too. Yeah, it's true. He he, he was going to roll out of bed and hit 300, yeah. and then he did not. Well, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that point where we talk about they used to be something, but we'll, we'll wait until the prospect section for that. The show. Um, Kyle Lewis. I like him. He's underrated for a multitude of reasons. He's probably yeah, I do the too. best outfielder in Seattle. Uh, he, well, besides Hanniger. Right. Uh, yeah, that's, I, I'd say it's arguable, but, uh, that could be true. Okay. What, what what's like a peak season for him? Like if you're going to close your eyes and you're going to be like, Kyle Lewis, this is your best season. Ooh. Um, who boy, probably like 35, 40 dingers, like absolute, we're talking like absolute best. Or like reasonable best. Reasonable best. Uh, yeah, I'd say like thirty-five home runs. Um, still a pretty low Babbitt or not Babbitt, uh OBP, like um, three thirty maybe, with like a pretty monster slugging percentage. Like I don't know, five thirty, forty, fifty. Uh, um, he just swings and misses so much. That's it's gonna, it's gonna affect his batting average forever because he's he's probably always going to strike out at least 30% of the time, I think. He used, um, to, he used to be fast, and then he busted up his knee. Yeah, man, it's just, like, such bad luck. Um, yeah, he lost his speed, so... Because I, I think they were thinking about using him as a center fielder, and that those days are just so long gone. Um, he's going to get pushed to a corner, no doubt, but um, I, th- I think he can be good. He, like... <clears throat> this year he only played 18 games but like he hit six stingers uh he had a 127 wrc plus <laughs> i know this is ridiculous but of all <laughs> players <laughs> with a 10 or uh, 10 or more uh batted ball events he had the highest uh barrels per plate appearances with a 13.3 percent yeah man this, um, is, this is that's really really specific and <laughs> like <laughs> i know um but 
I think like the thing like for a player with less than 100 uh, plate appearances, I think what we want to look at is max exit velo and max home run distances. Uh, because I think they, they're not great metrics by themselves, but I think when you have such a, just a dearth of numbers to look at, they do a good job of, um, kind of just showing the power potential. And I think it's obvious he has some because he, I don't remember how far he hit a home run, but he hit one really far and his, his max exit velo isn't like, uh, it's not going to floor you. It's like 107, but it's good enough. It's like, yeah, he can hit the ball pretty hard. But yeah, he also had a near 40 strikeout percentage and a sub 300 OBP. So, yeah. All right. So, so uh, Kyle Lewis, right? Would you rather, would, in a dynasty format right now, would you rather have him or would you rather have, um, oh my God, what was his name? Holy crap. I forgot his name. Malik Smith. God. Uh, in a dynasty. Um Ooh, that's kind of difficult, just because they're so different. Yeah. But I think... wise right? Yeah, like... I think... Man, like, who's a harder player to come by? Probably Malik's. Um, I would probably go with Malik's. I don't know if... I, I'm sure, like, a lot of people wouldn't agree with me, but he's already shown that he can steal. He's already shown that, like even if it was just good luck, he can hit. Whereas Kyle Lewis has shown that he strikes out 40% of the time thus far and can hit the ball hard. Um, I think Lewis's ceiling is pretty capped because, because he strikes out so often and like he doesn't get on base at time. Um, so I would go with Malik Smith. Uh, I just think you can kind of find Kyle Lewis's uh, skill set uh, easier. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Would you rather have uh, Kyle Lewis or Josh Rojas? Because I feel. Did like, you die? Uh oh. Hi. Hello. Hi. Yeah. No, I just took didn't take myself off mute. Um, oh. Because I try not to give like feedback or anything like that, or like hear me oh, typing right. while we're going back and forth. Yeah, um, yeah. So, would you rather take uh, Kyle Lewis or Josh Rojas? Because I feel like there's a there's a Ooh. subset of human beings yeah. out there that just love them some Josh Rojas. I would take Rojas. I think. Um... He can do, I think he can do a little more just like across the board. And I think there's less of like, this dude might end up being terrible. Yeah. All right. And then I'll give you one more. Um, AJ Pollock or Kyle Lewis. I would definitely go with Kyle Lewis because Pollock is just hurt every year. And he really just has that one season, right? Like that, like 2000, what, like 15, 14. Um, Yeah, I'll, I'll take Lewis. Okay. All right, so uh, we're just going to do a little mental exercise here where we both close our eyes and okay. we think about Tom Murphy and we smile and, uh, and we just love it, like <laughs> what he does as a person and as a player. Yeah. He's just yeah. – what a great catcher. Very underrated. Love him. Love him. So right. you're a Tom Murphy guy. Uh, we uh, This is a pro Tom Murphy podcast. We have, Okay. We have come out vehemently in support of Tom Murphy. I love it. I, it's kind of um, it's kind of hilarious, but yeah. I'm into it. <laughs> well, hey, we got our guys, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's Oman Marquez. There's there's Tom Murphy. Like we just there's two of them, both Rockies or former Rockies in some way, shape. or I was form. gonna say maybe you just have a Rocky fetish. Yeah, but like Tom Murphy was supposed to be the dude there, and then they wanted to go with Tony Walters. Was. 
I don't want to get all bent out of shape about it, but he's very yeah. like he's gonna hit twenty plus home runs as a catcher. Pretty dope. That's pretty good. Yeah. And you can um, get him at it like a steal. Yeah, I like I think I think he should be very, very rostered this year. Yeah. Um, he's, like, he's I don't know. Catcher's just such a wasteland. Yeah, I, I think actually that's I've never thought about that, but that's a really good comp. Um, Thank you. I'm on fire tonight. Yeah, like without looking at it, I'm sure he actually makes more contact too. Um, yeah, I mean, like in 2019, he had 18 home runs in 76 games. Right. Uh, I do think uh, some of it was just like. <clears throat> It seemed it's just hard to delineate between the juice ball or not, but like he had a 489 um, weighted on base average. Right, and the true the XBA versus BA is not very good either. I mean, we don't have to focus on the negative here. We can just say that Tom Murphy's great. Well, I, there I think like there's still positives because a 489 uh, woba on contact is insane. A 424 X Woba on contact is still dope. Um, so, like, yeah, he's going to regress or revert. But that X Woba on contact is one of the best numbers in the league. It would rank um, 13th in the league, uh, just as is. Um, and then his, like, barrels for plate appearance percentage ranks in the 79th percentile. Um, Chamberlain's tableau has him regressing positively from a 31% strikeout rate to a 27.1 strikeout rate. So um, on one hand, like I think he'll regress, but I still think he'll be like a good catcher. Um, He might get exposed by playing every day is the issue. Um, It is interesting to me that the Mariners decided to trade Narvaez because he is a good hitter. Um, But I think that is, that has to do with a couple things. One Narvaez is a terrible framer. Two, uh, Murphy can frame well. He is described as obsessive when it comes to game day preparation. And three, I think they really love Cal Raleigh. And so I think it's just kind of a... And Murphy's pretty young, too. So I think it's kind of, let's see if he works out. If he doesn't, like we're going to go with our guy. Yeah. And um, even if they like Raleigh, Murphy can be a backup. Yeah. So I think this is a good segue into our prospects, right? Because there are a few of them. And and the whole reason that we're recording tonight, which uh, it's February 11th for those listening, I probably will release this on Friday. But um, but yeah, so it's February 11th. Uh, You uh, became very upset with the way that (laughs) the way that I treated Logan Gilbert. Um, And so I want you to go ahead and just go off a little bit on the state of the Mariners uh, organization and, and the prospects. Um, so basically, I think just because of our reputation. Your 20-year history. Yes, correct. But you understand how it's silly because DePoto's only been here for, I think, five or six years. Um it just doesn't make any sense to take into account what Bill Bavese and Jack Zarenzik did. Um, whereas I think like DePoto and Andy McKay and Max Wiener are doing like really, really cool, pretty cutting edge stuff. Um, 
there are a lot of people like like Eno Saris went into uh, I think he went to Modesto and and did some interviews and he also the Mariners let him kind of um, uh, like with confidentiality kind of um, let him look into their um, their like development like how they develop players what they look at what they do whatever and he said he was really impressed so. Um, yeah, it, it mostly it's just like, I think it's silly to just write it off as like, Hey, it's the Mariners in the way that people do like, Hey, it's the Browns, or the which Mets. I understand. What was that? Or the Mets. Yeah. Like, Oh man. Well, that's a little different because I do think that they're, I mean, they just got rid of Andrew Perpetua and, um, Oh, I forgot his name. Pizza cutter for, I have messaged him before. Oh, well. Uh, they got rid of a bunch of, like two dope analysts and have a super dumb GM. Anyways, um, I think they're really, really strong at developing players now and are doing a bunch of cool stuff with um, basically optimizing everyone's skill sets and everything pr- from just a bunch of different angles. So with Logan Gilbert specifically, um, like, yeah, this is why I reached out to you. Uh, Baseball America has him at as the 59th prospect. Fangraphs most recent prospect list has him at 55th um pitcher list had him at 61st um it's too bad we recorded today because Fangraphs actually is updating their list tomorrow but i expect him to jump a little bit maybe into the maybe into the low 40s mm-hmm. um but I, I i just don't understand the rationale for leaving him out in general because you touched on his good traits and i think his good traits are he sometimes throws pretty hard he has at least good enough command um probably somewhere around average command he has like good secondaries great extension and and repeatable mechanics uh fangraph says at the very least he projects as a quick moving back-end starter i feel like that deserve that alone deserves top 100 love yeah no i don't think so i mean first off pitchers so there's that um, when it comes to like, you really need to have electric stuff in order for me to really think about you listing you as a pitcher. And while he has four or five pitches and he can be analytical, I I'm fine with all of that. Like the makeup is there. It's just the question of like, whether or not this is something where I can go ahead. And if I'm in a 14 to 16 league roster, right? Like rostering league. Okay. What what does he look like to me? Like, what is he going to be in the end? Is he going to be a high K upside kind of guy? Or is, like, what is his comp for the MLB? You know what I mean? Like right now, if you were to look across the MLB, what is he to you? Uh, or what, like, what would be a, a common name? Uh, that's interesting. That's a really interesting question. I, uh, let me try to think of someone off top. Um, oh boy. Like, I think his, what he is, is like, uh, someone with a pretty good fastball. Like, he's just maximizing his skill set to me. Like, they're just optimizing what he can do as a player. Um, I, I think he's got, like, a good secondary pitch, a good fastball, and good enough, um, of a repertoire to round it out. And so I don't know what that means. Um, probably like to me, probably somewhere in the mid twenties for K percentage and like 
maybe a 7% walk percentage with, I would assume, league average home runs. So that like sounds like a pretty good pitcher to me. Um, I mean, I just if I'm breaking a pitcher right now and they're in the top 100, I'm not. He would easily be in my top 125, right? Like he would be right there. He was on the cusp. It wasn't a question of like his talent. Mm-hmm. It's just that it wasn't like none of it felt really top end. And most of the pitchers that I ranked were top end kind of arms. So right. are we talking about Robbie Ray? Are we talking about you know like is uh, it, is it like a Matt Boyd type situation? I it just. There's nothing there that like, I don't know. It just, it wasn't something where I was looking at it and be like, this is the reason why I'm ranking him the way I am. I didn't like, have it. I, I actually don't know how you ranked guys, but like is Shane McClanahan in your top 100? No. Is Tony Gonsolin? No. Brent Honeywell? No. Jackson Cower? No. Nick Lodolo? No. Shane Boz? No. Really? Nope. What? I'm telling you, like, I just, I, I, pitchers are so finicky. They're so volatile. And in my mindset, the way that I create my dynasty teams is I load up on hitter prospects. I acquire hitters. And as I'm, as I'm continuing to load up on prospects that are mainly hitters because that value is there. When I'm ready to compete, I'm acquiring pitching. I'm acquiring established pitching for my roster. I'm not acquiring some volatile, you know, mm-hmm. like 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 maybe this guy hits, maybe he doesn't. Because what I'm going to end up with are guys like Alex Reyes or Carlos Martinez or, you know, like Casey Mize is a great example. I ranked him, but he has a shoulder issue right now i'm not sure about him i don't know how i feel about him michael kopech was a huge name a couple years ago and he had tommy john surgery like jesus luzardo is a big name right now but he's had his issues like every single pitcher has had their issues blake snell is a great example right now he's been he's been he was al cy young two years ago right but prior to that like there was a question of whether or not he was really going to hone his skill hone his scrap hone his craft and become a really good curveball fastball pitcher it took a minute for him to get there now i'll buy that when i'm ready to compete but i'm not gonna hope that it all clicks because pitcher development is so non-linear and we have no idea who's gonna click and who's not and when they will okay that's fair yeah um i do think that like i don't really think even like like i think he could be better than brendan mckay I think he could too. I think that they're probably comparable, right? Do you have? I think he has a better fast. Did you have Brendan McKay in your top one hundred um, last year? Uh, maybe, maybe on the back end of it, but that okay. that also predic- was predicated on the fact that he they were still using him at first base, right? So like there was that Shohei okay, Otana right. type of appeal to him. Yeah. Okay, uh, that's more palatable to me than. Because your rationale was basically, it was basically Mariners, right? Like, well, um, it was height and Mariners. That's true. Um, Which, but like, I, I do have some qualms about that. I feel like there's some founded <laughs> argument in that. Like, there just aren't very tall humans that are throwing, that yeah. are throwing ball uh, pitches lately. Like, I just don't but see I, it. But. I do think that the the fact that um, scouts have. Um, described has his mechanics as like repeatable and good you know i think that does quell some of those concerns yeah 
Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it does. It's just a question of like, again, he might have the repeatable mechanics and he might have four pitches, but like, what does he really get you in the end? Is there, what's the upside there? Because in the top 100, I'm looking at upside for me. I'm looking at those players that can really like either a become valuable assets for you to turn around and and move when you're competitive or B they're going to be a cornerstone for you moving ahead. And while I think that he's a very good piece and, and I guess I always try to think about this when I'm doing this. So I should say now, when I think of Logan Gilbert, he could be a good piece. He could be like a fourth starter for you on your roster. He's not, a number two or number one. You know what I mean? Like he just doesn't have that calling card for me. And that's the same reason why when I wrote up my article, I talked about uh, the the Royals pitchers. All of them have the feel of like a number four starting pitcher for you. None of them have that like electric stuff. And so if I'm going to rank a fourth starting pitcher, I'm going to rank like two dozen fourth rank starting pitchers do because... You, do you not like Daniel Lynch? I think he's fine. I just I, I look at him and then I look at Jackson Coar and then I look at a couple right. of, like uh I forget his name, Chris Bubik and um I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. But there's like th- four of them in there and I listed off I did like a blind showing of, of those four pitchers and all of them pretty much look exactly the same. They're all 21, yeah. 22 years old. They've all pitched at high A. They've all had the similar amount of innings, the similar amount of K to uh, walk ratio. Like they're they're just all kind of like this one big blob of players. And right. so if you don't have that calling card that I can look at and be like, this guy stands out from all the other <clears throat> number four, number three potential starting pitchers, I'm not going to rank you in my top 100. I feel it. He would... He would definitely be in my top 100, but I I at least understand the rationale more now. Um, yeah, I, I just think he's kind of him in particular. Like he's one of to me the more underrated uh, prospects, and I don't completely know why, but um, that's at least how I perceive him. So I will say yeah. that I like you know when we talk about makeup and stuff like that when you read about um when you read about him right it's just mm-hmm. it's he's he's very analytically focused him and cal rally are super into the idea of like pitching zones and pitch tunneling and things They're like awesome, that man like, yeah that's wonderful and, and you yeah. want that and most of the players right so that they're constantly changing and growing but it's just not there like i don't know but that's what I'm talking about with the uh, with the Mariners system because like they've developed this culture where just like they've they've moved everyone up together. There was a group of um I can't name all of them off the top of my head, but like they're bigger prospects. Like for the most part, they've moved up and down or not down, but just up levels at the same pace. Um and they're doing that to kind of create like a championship culture because they have actually I think our minor league teams have been quite good. Um, but like that kind of in a way helps the makeup of like, obviously it's sort of a, like, it's not a very malleable trait, but like it can be. And I think the, the fact that the Mariners have bred this type of culture helps basically players just work harder and, and to, to try to maximize everything that they have. Um, so like, I just think that Gilbert is going to be someone that, gets everything out of himself that he can um but yeah as it pertains to to poto's like first round picks like the only ones he's made with the mariners are kyle lewis evan white 
Logan Gilbert and George Kirby, and none of them have made it up yet. Um, and it's not because like they were bad. It's because of just like, it's only been a couple years. Like they needed some seasoning. Um, so that's why I recoil when it comes to like, Oh, the Mariners suck. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Is George, not George Kirby is, is Evan white actually any good? I've been pretty down on him until this year. Um, I just always thought it was weird that like, I, I already think it's odd that they're sticking him at first base, but as the team kind of comes together and he, like he made some lower half adjustments, um, and just started like demolishing the ball. I am a lot more optimistic. Um, he has like Paul Goldschmidt comps. Like, I think that's on the high end of his outcomes, like what he could be. Um, and I don't think that's unfair to say, um, he's just super weird. Like, I don't know if you know this, but he, he throws lefty and bats righty. Right. Um, and then like for a little people were like, Oh, Evan white might play center field. Like he's a first baseman playing that could have been played center field. Like he's kind of Cody Bellinger esque, which like people, I think people have given him Bellinger comps, but I think that has to do with like the positional stuff because I don't see that at all. Um, but like he's, he plays a plus plus first base and he can run a little bit. Um, so he already is, you know, just like he has a good floor. Um, he just didn't start really hitting until he made some lower half adjustments. So, um, yeah, I, I like him. I, I'm not sure where I see his ceiling, but I think there's a good chance that he ends up like, I think he has the highest floor of any of Seattle's good prospects. I would say he has the highest floor. Yeah. Of any of the Seattle good prospects. I just, I don't know, man. <laughs> <It doesn't... laughs> I don't think, but like Seamer and ATC have him hitting 15 to 20 dingers this year already. But he's, it's first base. Like you need more yeah. out of that. You are getting more. You're getting plus plus defense. I get it for dynasty. Right, right. <laughs> but I, I think he's going to hit and like that defense is going to give him a job. All right. Okay. All right. If you, if, so so if you were going to rank him, right, it's 2021. He's okay. put up exactly what, what Seamer has said, right? Okay. You're going to rank him number what in your in your first base rankings? <clears throat> um, first base is pretty bad, so it might be. But he's not making it any better. <laughs> no, but he's also, hold on, let me look. He is 23. So, uh, I would say somewhere around league average. Okay. Especially because like in terms of, uh, WRC plus he's just below average and like by Seamer's account and just above average by ATC. All right. Uh, so I, I would say on the low end, like 23 and on the high end, like 10. Okay. So yeah. so let's talk about three other really boring names uh since <laughs> while we're on while we're on the topic. I uh, I need you I need you to to look into some Mariners uh prospects after this. I think 
I think you would like them more. Uh. I hey, I've read into them. I just I don't like Evan White. I I I'm fine with Logan Gilbert. Like if I were starting an actual dynasty, like like a real franchise, Logan Gilbert would be much higher on my prospect rankings. But like <laughs> for dynasty purposes, when I'm thinking about this, he's not. He's just not there. Like I like some of these names. For real life, I feel like like if you want to throw the tag on the Mariner system as better in real life prospects than fantasy, I'd be okay with that. Um, outside of obviously a couple of the names that we'll talk about in a minute, but um, but better in real life prospects or, or more boring names to talk about: Justin Dunn, George Kirby, and and who's the Sheffield? Um, or is it Justice Sheffield? Justice, yeah, Justice. Um, Houston. It should be Houston. <laughs> That's like uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog's dad. Yeah. <laughs> you made me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm fine with that. Um, oh, um, just Justin Dunn's going to be up this year. He's going to start the season with the with the Mariners. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like they've just thrown a freaking wrench into it. Like they added, I don't know his name. I've heard it pronounced different everywhere. Uh, God, no. Um, Nick Margavicious or Margavicious. I've heard it both ways. Um, I think he apparently is going to get a shot. Um, they have a couple different names. Um, I need to look, but, uh, I thought it was a pretty like clear cut thing. Like, I don't know why he wouldn't get a shot. I don't think like maybe he could use a little more time in AAA. Um, but yeah, like it's right now it's Margavicious as their number five with Justin Dunn missing the roster. Um, Do you think that that's like a long-term thing? Like, I, I don't see he'll be up, right? Uh, no, I just, I don't even know why they did it. Like the comp that I slapped on uh, Margavichus when he came over was Yusei Kikuchi with less velo. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like they just signed Manny Buena- Buena- Ben oh my Buelos. God. Ben Welos um, today, and he seems much more like a reliever than starter. But yeah, so he's got like a little competition. I just don't think that anyone should edge him out at this point. Like he's, I think he's good. Okay, George Kirby doesn't walk anybody. He literally did. He walk anyone? Like he literally didn't. And I think and he might have walked uh, one person. Yeah, and Everett. He he just like refuse to walk anyone which is it's not like it's a thing like oh i'm just gonna throw it down in the middle he has 70 grade control i i love george kirby yeah. i i don't think he's a top end guy necessarily but uh i like i just uh, and i guess this is a little more coming from like a real life perspective but i would like to have him or logan gilbert in my dynasty i just won't get kirby f- right now <laughs> yeah i don't want to wait no um, um, and then you have uh, Justice Sheffield, uh, not Gary Sheffield's cousin. Or it's nephew. true. It's not. It's not. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of him at all. No. I don't know about you. No. He's... Like his his active spin is one of the lowest in the league, which means that like he doesn't have a fastball with perceived rise. He has a fastball with sink, like a lot of sink. Um, so like his fastball is already blech. Um, he doesn't have good command and then he also doesn't necessarily have a changeup. Like he has a wipeout slider 
And that alone makes me think that he can be a dope bullpen guy. Um, and I do think that his changeup is like developing, but he's been trying to find it forever. Um, like ever since he has been in the minors. So, right. But, but yeah, here's the he, thing with the three headed monster that you were talking about before that, that front office, they acquired him. He was like the guy in the James Paxton trade, right? So, so this player development group identified this player and, and said, we're going to trade away our best pitcher, but we're going to get a couple of prospects back. And this is the best one that we're going to get back. And everybody loved him two years, three years ago. Like the, he was very high up on people's radars. Uh-huh. And now he's somebody that we talk about as like, well, we think that he might be a good bullpen guy, you know? And, and that's where, that's where I get off on pitchers. It's just like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's too volatile. I still think he has a chance to be like a mid rotation guy, but that's again, like kind of on the higher end. Um, I don't know. I, I think it that trade in particular, I think it was more like them having limited options and maybe not liking another package and perhaps seeing something like, oh, maybe we can um, do something, tweak something with him where he gets more spin on his fastball or like something. Um, so I don't necessarily... If anything, honestly, I think it is something to do with money because I think at the time... They were saying, hey, uh, Team C offered what I would call a better package. And I don't know if the names came out, but what they said was um, I think the Yankees were willing to like eat more money. I might be misremembering that, but um, not ideal. Yeah. Um, Noelve Marte will be a top what prospect by the end of the season? Ooh. End of season... Um, 70, 70, we'll go with that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to do that, if that's what, if do you feel comfortable with that? Uh, not super comfortable, but he's already in top one hundreds. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. Uh, do you think it should be lower? Like, well, no, he's my number 36 prospect right now. (coughs) Whoa. I love him. Um, I was being conservative there, but. Uh, Actually, I lied. That's not me. That's Nick Randall. Nick Randall loves him more than I do. I have so him. High. I have him at the number forty-four prospect. I have him with uh, C.J. Abrams, um, right there. I, him and ja- Jazz Chisholm. I think from proximity alone, I can't do that. But um, I do love him. Like he's a five-tool player um, with like already. It sounds like pretty refined skills. Like he put on a bunch of good weight. Like he weighed like one eight, one seventy eight or something, one eighty eight, and he's up to two hundred. And then like he's cleaned up his fielding. They like had him basically do something to increase his throwing strength and accuracy, and so that looks better. And then Baseball America describes him as someone with an advanced approach and a compact stroke with whippy bat speed, uh, with good swing decisions. So like. That doesn't sound like someone who's going to flame out or just like go up in flames, you know, just be basically what Jazz Chisholm might be. Um, So, yeah, I I really, really love him. Um, I I could see him not being that great, but I think it's the Mariners' best chance to redeem themselves with a shortstop that's good with the last name of Marte and keep him. He has the highest upside in the in outside of uh, Julio Rodriguez, in my opinion, in the um, in the Mariners farm system at the moment. 
I think so too. I, I think you could even maybe argue he has more upside. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Do you want to, do you want to say anything about uh, Jared Kalenic or Julio Rodriguez that people might not know about or, or that you feel like is, is out there? Because I know a lot of people love him at the moment. Uh, which one? Uh, both Jared Kalenic and Julio. Yeah. Um, so I don't know about you, but to me, and I actually think you're dis- going to disagree. Um, but I like Kelnick more. Um, one thing that people might not, I guess, think or agree with is I think he's going to be a quicker mover than people think. Um, Depoto said, like, I think I think Kelnick approached him and he was like, hey, if I OPS like 1,500 in spring, like, will you call me up? <laughs> and Depoto's like, that's not out of the realm of possibilities it's not likely but i'll think about it um and depoto also talked about how like with a lot of guys like this like him and julio are both gonna play in spring um basically being like yeah we're gonna be really open to like moving these guys pretty quickly but also we want to keep their best interests and our best interests in mind um so i'm not just like gonna see julio hit 400 and then call him up but I think we could see him up to stay by September. I think it's pretty aggressive, but um, I think like all of these guys are just such, they're just so mature for their age. Like they're all fast movers, which might have to do with why Seattle picked them. But like, I think uh, Julio is definitely going to move ahead of like kind of uh, what is typical for his age and, and Kelnick too. Cause he, I don't, I think he's 20 now, but he was a teenager last year. Um, I've seen Grady Sizemore, Yelich, and like David Dahl comps for Kelnick and like Nelson Cruz with better defense for J Rod. I've also seen Delman so. Young. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Delman Young comps for J Rod, so that's not ideal. But Delman Young was good for a second, right? Like one second. I don't know, man. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't I think maybe, maybe two seconds. Yeah. Was that in two thousand one too, or how did that work? Okay. <laughs> Uh, but they're like best buds. I think um, they like Kelnick is going to move a little quicker than J Rod is, but um, I'm just really excited for them to have the chance to move through the system. And I, I am actually kind of nervous about uh, Julio. Yeah. But I'm really why, not. Why? Because it's really high expectations and the Mariners aren't used to that. I'm just asking a question. It says, yeah, uh, no, you are. You, you are objectively just ask, asking a question. Um, no, <laughs> no, because I think that for some reason it, it seems like people aren't really acknowledging like how this could go wrong. Like, for, I don't know. When I watch him, I just see a lot of um, a lot of potential for just a lot of like swing and miss and for that to be like a big part of his game. Uh, I'm just worried that things are going to go wrong. Seattle Mariners fan. fan. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think about all the things that could possibly go wrong. And I'm sure someone was quoted as saying that 2001 and here we are almost 20 years later. And <laughs> yeah, things went pretty wrong. Um, but yeah, I, I just like, to me, it's like Kelnick is, pretty much as sure of a thing as like it feels like it can get and j-rod's like not like he feels pretty good um 
he just they just love baseball man like uh, their makeup is like as good as can be. Like I think when Kelnick came over from the Mets, there were some people that were were like, "Yeah, Kelnick's makeup like might be too good. Like he might he might work too hard." And I think that might be kind of to his detriment, uh, which I guess sounds kind of silly, but I I you know understand that sentiment. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I'll say that I think Kelnick and and J Rod could both be up a year, um, in terms of like not twelve months, but like the year ahead of where they're supposed to be up. Yeah. So, so Kalnick walks into an interview and just says, my biggest weakness is I work too hard and care too much. Right. Yeah, that's what it is. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. All right. So, so do you have any uh, closing thoughts or anything like that? Cause I, I, you know, we're, we're at more than an hour at this point. So you tell me, what do you want? I'm feeling. Do you want, do you want anything? Do you want to hit on anything? Um, I, I, I'd love to plug myself. Um, no, no. All right. That was really nice to have you. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I love Marco Gonzalez and I think if he adds Velo, he's going to be oh, way God better than it. All right. All right. Oh, and look, here I am swearing, swearing at the very end. <laughs> it's okay. You can add a beep. Uh, yeah. You can overlay my voice over you. Do you remember Fred? Do you remember Freddie, uh, Freddie Garcia? Dude, I loved Freddie Garcia. I love Freddie like, Garcia. He's like one of my favorite Mariner players of all time. He was my, my he was, favorite White Sox pitcher of all time, outside of Mark Burley. What did you trade him? Uh, trade for him like Ben Ben Davis? I don't know. It wasn't any. Pretty sure it's Ben Davis. Man, it sucked. All right, all right. So go ahead, plug away, my man. What are you? What are you cool. working on? Who are you? What do you do? No. Uh, yeah, I never, I never introduced myself, but yeah, uh, Michael Ajetto, uh, going deep writer at PitcherList. Um, I do a lot of mostly just like in-depth, um, player analysis and, um, that is sometimes a Mariners, but usually not. Um, I do have a Mariners podcast that, um, I'm pretty sure I talked about called Griffey's Naptime Podcast. We did talk about it. Yeah. And it's soon going to be rebranded as It's Never Sunny in Seattle. So you can find that on soundcloud.com slash Griffey's Naptime Pod. And you can also find me on Patreon if you want to support, if you're a Mariners fan, at patreon.com slash Griffey's Naptime Pod. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Mikey Ajeto PL, and that's M I K E Y A J E T O. He's a very good follow. I am the best follow. Um, so yeah, it, like you can find all my stuff there. Um, if you want to reach out and, uh, support my Patreon, it would be nice. Cause I don't want to pay for, <laughs> for content that I'm creating. So yeah. I think that's about it. I don't know. I love, I love the Mariners and I love baseball and they make me sad. <laughs> well that is one hell of a note to end on yeah all right man well hey thank you so much for coming on we'll probably have you back again later on the season to, to when the mariners are inevitably 15 or 16 games out of first place yeah i think we're supposed to be the second last uh in the league this year per pakota so uh sounds good man all right talk to you soon all right